from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. We're going to be all right. It's Friday, May 10th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And joining us from Los Angeles, California? No, Portland, Oregon. Hold on, hold on. on. (laughs) Jesse, you threw me off last time. Just hanging loose. Out here in actually Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Made my like 15 year old self who rocked puka shells very happy with that mistake. Oh, that's though, right. so okay. <laughs> Aren't you from like, like Missouri? Somewhere, yeah, I literally Missouri. never saw an ocean yeah. until I was like 20, but I definitely did watch Blue Crush. Therefore, <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a nice collection of Roxy right. Tees and puka shell chokers. <laughs> right. were, you, were you a Hills fan at any point? What's the hip? Oh, that show with um, like the OC, oh, like the Laguna like, Beach people, yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, Lauren Conrad and all. And then it back right now. I think it's back on TV. Oh, be with us. It looks like we're or, talking to the wrong person. Or it's coming back. Like yeah, and in fact, like Audrey or Aubrey or whatever that character, she's coming. Like she's back as a full grown adult. And then there's like new younger people. I oh, know nothing weird. of this. I'm also the one that at seven fifty four Googled. Things in pop culture. Oh, <laughs> I like got on the internet just so I could be up to date, and I didn't even know what website to go to, things. so I just googled it. Relevant Wait, you magazine. Googled, you googled what? You googled Rel- things in pop culture. Period. <laughs> this is my favorite Google search of all time. You're trying to keep you. You don't want to keep your finger on the pulse by going to relevantmagazine.com. You Google <laughs> Google things in pop culture. I like that's it. the equivalent of like a parent who Googles the word email and then clicks the first Hotmail link that comes up. And to them, that's the only way they get to email. How is he supposed to get to email? Uh, and then tells their kids that work at Google that that's how they do it. I didn't really think through that confession super well uh-huh. before I told the pop culture podcast people that I Googled pop culture things. I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. When you when you yeah. Googled things in pop culture, did it just respond, oh, honey? It responded, bless you, child. Well, well, to be fair, we live in different worlds. I mean, your world is social entrepreneurship and activism and and raising people out of systemic poverty. When I look into those issues, I Google how to raise people out of systemic poverty. So, you know, you're you're right there on the front lines. It's okay. Thank you for that exercise in empathy, Cameron. I'm trying my best. (laughs) I feel like you walked a mile in my fair trade sandals, and I appreciate that. It doesn't doesn't come naturally. I'm trying my best. Hey, before we get going, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can... Add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one interface. Uh, Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Go to squarespace.com slash relevant right now for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Go do it. 
we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to King's Kaleidoscope. They have a brand new album out now that everyone has been hitting us up about. I've been getting texts about this album. We're very excited to bring it to you, give you a taste of the new project, and talk to the lead singer, uh, Chad Gardner from King's Kaleidoscope. Uh, Liz, if you want to Google real quick, King's Kaleidoscope. Literally was wondering if I did it on my phone, if you guys would be able to see me. Uh, we, would think, I, we would think it's some very important email from like a very prestigious activist. Not that you're Googling the band. I have one other question for you, Liz. When you Googled things in pop culture, I'm just curious. What was the first story that yeah, caught yeah, your for eye? Real. Yeah. Um, it was the, uh, the Royal baby, which I, I now know make is guess. named yeah. Archie. Yeah. Interesting. And it was actually, that was a warm entrance for me because I, I do like this Royal couple. I'm typically very mm, not into the pomp and circumstance of the Royal situation, but yeah. I think Megan Markle, that's her name, right? That's it. Sure. Yeah. I think you, you, you got it. She seems <laughs> awesome. Enough. And I am pro this part of pop culture. So it was a really soft landing for me. Interesting. So you are pro Meghan Markle, but anti-monarchy, like, like bring down, (laughs) bring down the monarchy, overthrow the rule of the, of the elites, but she's, but she can stay. Yeah. That's a good reading on my uh, affection towards the situation, you know, and like in their wedding, they just did things that were like a little bit non-traditional and different incorporating different, you know, parts of their, cultures i really liked it i, I, I didn't watch I, it i liked I'm, the commentary <laughs> if i'm hearing correctly liz bohannon is coming around on taxpayer funded extravagance <laughs> right and, and pomp and circumstance <laughs> that is funded by the people that's what you're coming around on you're really starting to embrace it it's a new lane it for seems you like the people are very into it Oh, you know, yeah. true. Like true. I'm not going to be the true. who wants to be the American activist that goes over to the UK and tries to say like, do you know where your dollars are coming? Because they feel it seems like they feel very happy about the situation. Yeah, it does. It does. It, I I never really understood it because they don't really hold any real power. It'd be one thing if they were actual like royalty and could just decree things, but that you know they just kind of hang out. It, you know, it, it, Jesse, you, you got to understand the situation. Over there, uh, the, the the, the British, the British people. I mean, if you look around, the their buildings are like oh, a thousand gosh. years old, a thousand years old. I mean, they're all yeah. like you know, nothing's changing ever. You look out the window, it's always gray and gloomy. They just need something. They need something that's a distraction. Look at that pretty dress. Look at the flowers at the at the royal palace. Like they need that aspirational distraction because the dreariness of the normal British life. Is something that no person could handle otherwise. Well, I'll say this. I do appreciate their sense of humor because they're like, hey, let's take the most stern, disciplined soldiers on earth. Like literally guys that all they do is march, hold giant guns and don't flinch in the face of constant threats of uh, uh, hilarity from tourists. And let's dress them up in ridiculously hilarious hats. And they'll be, they'll look like, they'll look like nutcrackers. And also, 
so, or the maybe nutcrackers look here's like them. Maybe, maybe really the funny. nutcrackers are made in their image. It's the chin strap that really gets me. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Because I'm picturing like the Agreed. guy who designed. Their hats fallen like, off otherwise. They well, gotta have a chin strap. No, no, but well, it goes but, on their nose. No, the chin strap should go yeah, under the high. chin. It's like a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. lip chin strap. That's, Th- that's, that's what true. I'm thinking. I'm thinking like the guy that designed it. Like the royals. Like okay, we got these disciplined guys. We need the most hilarious costume ever. And they like brought the costume out with that tall furry hat. And the king's like, you know, what would make this even better. If the chin strap was awkwardly short, they're like, it's perfect. Let's have it right up on their nose. It's it's a it's a great way we can all as a nation get a laugh at the expense of soldiers who march. Yeah. Also, the office. Speaking of British humor. Do we have anything in American culture that would be like comparable to that? Like, do we have anything that we're supposed to respect or to the pomp and circumstance? To the to that we're supposed to respect this. But deep down, we all know that these people look deeply stupid. Uh, I could say a lot of things, but yeah, I'm not yeah, sure how. Yeah, we don't, I don't want to get into. You know, I, don't, I don't mean like their faces. <laughs> I, I don't mean their faces. I mean, I mean just like the uniforms. Like, is it looks a little ridiculous? Because uh, a police officer uniform, like the, they got a little hat, but it's like a. That's, I feel like it doesn't get in the way of their job. I, I don't know if we have a uniform, but I think we can all agree the Washington Monument's pretty lame. Like it's just a, it's just a spike. I don't know. It's just a huge spike. Like all of DC yeah. is really cool, and there's like these gigantic statues of presidents that look lifelike, and there's just a big spike in the middle of the city, and it gets a pass. You know what I like about the Washington Monument? What's that? Well, it's a spike. So I feel like 50 years from now, when we realize that all of us were actually like pretty ignorant, racist, misogynist, all of the things that we're probably doing that we don't actually realize it, that spike has cultural longevity, you know, because it's not of a person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. It's not oh, going to get taken down yeah, 50 take. or 100 years from now because of what it like represents. A spike can grow with the culture as the culture evolves in a way yeah. that statues of humans can't yeah. as much you're saying it's so it's so vague in its intention and what it's actually representing that we could if we decided tomorrow like actually this is a monument to anti-slavery everybody like well sure yeah um, why not it's a I don't know all you, you know, you know, all you, that is like a hundred dollar renovation change the plaque <laughs> interesting and make it about something else which it's like we can't do that with you know so you're big on you're big on you're big on yeah. flexibility is what I'm hearing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, big on, I'm big on evolution and okay. like progress. Ruth. I feel like and Ruth. culture evolving and us as people being willing to say like, <clears throat> you know what? Yeah, me five days ago, ten years ago, our country a hundred years ago, like ooh, we could have done better. Now we yeah. know better, so we're gonna do better. And I feel like a problem in our country is that you have to, it's like all one or the other, either burn it all down and everybody's evil and we can't, you know, have real conversation or relationships because everybody on the opposite side of the spectrum is evil. Or it's like, no, if you critique my great, great, great grandfather, you're, you know, you're critiquing me and my entire, it's just like, there's no ability for us to like live in the complexity and the grace, but also accountability that I think comes with being a human, which is like, we're trying and when we know better and when we're evolving, we should allow ourselves as a culture and as a human race to do that without feeling like, I'm, you know, we're erasing ourselves because of that. That's one of the reasons why I like doing the type of media we do versus like you write a book yeah, and you yeah. got to like, that's it. 
and that's it forever <laughs> and it's finite and permanent for us with a magazine your next one has to be your best one it's it's you start over with 100 blank pages and it's like what are we going to say next month that needs to be said that we haven't said yet and it's pushing you to always look forward and evolve and you can't stay there you can't stay where you were it's like literally every month we have to throw away we create and then it gets mm. thrown away and we got to start over. And I love that because it's yeah. always keeping us. I'm Googling all the time what's happening in pop culture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> things in pop culture. Driving a lot of value. <laughs> you guys, relevant listeners, you guys. Liz, you sparked all these profound thoughts in all of us. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, in hindsight, Lincoln's stovetop hat is pretty hilarious, especially with that <laughs> neck beard he's got going. <laughs> Not as well. Bold fashion move. the costume. Yeah, yeah. Liz, okay. you've made me you've made me realize that because because my intention, what I'd been wanting to do was just take a, a bunch of dynamite to uh, to Mount Rushmore and blow up one of the faces. I don't care which one into like Aretha Franklin or something, you know, like, like that. <laughs> I, I would be it, it would here be, for that. That would be a much more. But I like your idea much better of just finding uh, very vague, uh, like things that don't necessarily Objects. have to mean anything and, and reapplying them. Yeah, I like that, too. Although we could do both. So, so Mount Rushmore, you you rechisel it. It's a thumbtack. It's a uh, it's a wheel. I mean, it's just like it's, now it's just objects. We can say the object represents something, and in a hundred years, that object might be renamed. Right? Yeah. I a- still th- I think I would be total. I don't think anybody would care. I mean, I I, I think Mount Rushmore is an incredible feat of of engineering. I, I think it's amazing. It that is they objectively could use bombs weird. It's objectively to, it's weird. very strange. It's a it's tourist very trap. Strange. Yeah, yeah. It's a tourist trap. But I don't think anybody would care at all if the the. If, if kind of the, the lesser one of the four, and I think we all know who I'm talking about, if we bombed his face into Prince, like well, if it was Prince instead of Thomas Jefferson, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, Prince is great. Here's my, like Prince. here's my idea for Mount Rushmore. And if I like, let's just say like I'm someone who really wants to stick it to a guy like Thomas Jefferson. Here's what I do. I buy Mount Rushmore. That's that's step one of this long con Two, I blast in hilarious facial hair and an eye patch. Right. He's going to look <laughs> hilarious. Then after the apocalypse and America is no more, and people resettle this land. They'll look back and like, oh, look at these great men. Look at that guy with a hilarious uh, soul patch and, and a and an eye patch. And they'll forever think that's how Thomas Jefferson looked. It's the ultimate long con to really stick it to that guy, you know? Pirate, some I mean, sort of like goofy pirate. The idea of chiseling things on the side of a mountain is a bold move because if you look at Stone Mountain in Georgia, I mean, the side of a mountain is Robert E. Lee and yeah. the Confederacy. And it is like, yeah. oh, here's a huge monument to our racist past, you know? Yeah. And it's like... Hasn't aged, hasn't aged great. Hasn't aged great. <laughs> hasn't aged I, think great. It, I think it was instantly outaged considering they, they lost the, the war. Yeah. It wasn't great at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't great. Maybe it was just never. We right. need to just turn Stone Mountain into a big water park or something. Just yeah. kind of like re like take those concave parts of the the statue and just turn it into slides and stuff. So you start or, at the top and just or you like that. Or I think they they let you sell they sell like carton of eggs just outside and you can just throw them and go take this traitor and you race a traitor and just throw eggs at it. <laughs> like like, so it's like, Liz, it's like you're saying, steam. it's, yeah, it's, it's, good, it's like repurposing that. it in Liz's in Liz's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm so, here for that. So defacing really the racist plan. monuments is is the new the new era. So we yeah, leave them, 
but we get to deface them. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's so. cheaper than it's removing like, them. You know, like, they have those wall. things where you can like pay 10 bucks and go like destroy a car to get your anger yeah. out. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> this is a great idea. This could be like this could be a taxpayer. This could we could bring in money for the government. Yeah, boom. You can yeah. throw yeah. stuff to on the be side huge. of a racist mountain and just feel Are better. The, the racist mountain. That's what Sorry, I don't don't cut Medicare. Just charge money to throw it down. This is easy. This is how we save Social Security is what you say. This you're is saying. great. This, this is great. Yeah. I love this idea. Liz, I think you deserve All right, to be. So which one of the five of us is is uh, is up in 2020? Yeah, running for these office. these ideas, yeah. they're sticky. I have a plan to save Social Security. Here's the deal. We're going to charge admission and throw stuff at racist money. Liz, I... <laughs> I would vote for you to to lead this nation, but I would vote you into like a royalty position as well. So it's a lifetime thing. No real power. But you, but you, you, you just want me to be the appearance. Am I just the talking head to yeah. you, Jesse? You no, Carey no, from no, Liz. Land? You come up with the hilarious, dangerous ideas that real politicians aren't bold enough to do, like making the Washington Monument into something fresh and and funny, hilarious ways to vandalize monuments we don't like. That no, no politician wants that lane. But Liz, this no. is a lifetime appointment for you. You yeah. you would be okay. the Queen of America. You could do whatever you want. So I have yeah. your vote. No, Oprah's the Queen of America. She would be some other title. Yeah, we Oprah could be in your cabinet, though. Wow, yeah. Yeah. wow! You could open the cabinet. Wait, yeah. wait! Beyonce's the queen. Oprah's the queen mother. I feel like I'm just. I'm getting. I'm like now. I keep getting demoted, rightfully <laughs> yeah. so. But I think there's no way I'm at this point you're the with Meghan Beyonce Markle. and Oprah more than like a royal secretary. No, you're at the Meghan Markle. You're I'm the Meghan. Scribe. Yeah. 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 You would still, I mean, you get to enact a lot of cool policy ideas, like Jesse said, that other politicians are just too scared. That We're too scared. all thinking it. We yeah. all want to do this. We've all yeah. wanted to throw eggs at, what would we call it now, Mount Racism or something? <laughs> but you're the first one to come out and say, say this, is, this, is, this is my vision for Racist the future month. of this country. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited right. to cast if a vote have, in 2020. If you guys will help with the campaign, let's do it. It's a oh, it's yeah. a new Hardy Boys mystery novel, uh, Adventures at Racist Mountain. <laughs> I, I would read that on summer break. <laughs> I it, it, and while we're at it, Liz, I would like if you're in control, I would like for the the U.S. Just Mint putting to print, in a request now to, to to print giant bills, like giant twenty dollar bills, so I can pay for things like I like I'm giving you know a, an award to someone at a golf charity event. Like that's how I want to pay. I want to make a big show for it. So see what you can do about giant <laughs> giant twenty dollar bills because that would just be you a know good time I'm going to speak to this experience because I had an experience once okay. where I was okay. let's see I was nine months pregnant i was in new york i was presenting i was at this like conference thing at the rockefeller center in new york wow. and they i was um i was a little bit doubting my decision to come to this thing and nine months pregnant and just wondering like pregnant. oh is this was this the best use of my time a kid you not i turned to my husband and i'm like i feel like unless we leave here with like a ten thousand dollar check we made the wrong call kid you not Less than three minutes later, they like Oprah surprise bomb all the companies that were presenting. <laughs> they gave with you these, with ten thousand dollar checks for our like you know for our startups for our companies on those like exactly what you're talking about those huge cardboard oh, wow. checks, oh, and wow. then I had to like waddle down whatever avenue Rockefeller Center is on as a nine month 
pregnant woman with a giant cardboard check. And whereas it sounds like that's your best life, it, I felt very insecure about the whole. I was not. Oh, yeah. That was not the moment that I wanted to live in. I, w- I would only feel so insecure when I'm like waiting in line at the bank and the teller sees. <laughs> oh, great. It's another one of those people with those big ten thousand dollar checks. <laughs> like it barely fit. Like now I got to walk outside the glass here because I can't slide it under. You know, Liz, I'd never thought about the aftermath. You see the you see the, the you see the cameras. You see you see the flashing lights. I don't think about these poor people who now are burdened with wealth having to walk down <laughs> New York Street, New York City. Trying to get on the subway with a giant cardboard check. But throwing it away feels a little ungrateful, don't you think? Yeah. I, I, I thought it was ceremonious where they just kind of like, boom, picture, picture, and then like the person who brought it to you kind of took it and they, they, they just put it in the back room or whatever. I, oh, I, no. They leave that home. with you. You have to make the decision. And we were really like, we kind of wanted to like bring it back. I mean... Just to be very clear, I've never in my life been handed a $10,000 check before. So we thought it would be like really fun to like bring it back to our office and show our team. And we had this idea for this project we could do now with this funding, blah, 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 blah. So it was like the end goal was getting to then present it at the office. But all the in-between of like being like hot and sweaty and huge and pregnant and like trying to get on a subway with a giant check, it, 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 I, I didn't like it. Yeah. You tie did you like tie it on top of your car like a new mattress? <laughs> like, is that how, you, how did you how did you transport it? How do you get it from point A to point B? Subway. Yeah, you're you're checking that. You're not that's not carry on. Yeah. Yeah, that's not no, carry on. We ended up tag folding it. it in half. And that really took away a lot of the like yeah. illustrious presentation uh, yeah, to our yeah, team sure. when it was like a crinkled, crappy, like this has traveled all the way from the East Coast deck. So should have just thrown it away. Yeah. yeah. Lessons learned. Yeah. All right. We're moving the show along. It is time for the hot list, which you will hear coming up right after this break. You're listening to Of Monsters and Men. The song is Alligator. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Judah and the Lion with All Right. Okay, it's time for... It's the hot list. The hot list. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. All right, going to number five this week. Uh, this is just from us Googling things that happened in pop culture. <laughs> we, don't, we, we didn't even consult relevantmagazine.com or the relevant Twitter feed or anything like that. Just Googled. The royal family named their baby. Oh, number one item. I'm kidding. Um, oh, in, wow. Uh, Did you see my face? That's I not the... Like, boom, I'm the resident expert. Relevant doesn't cover the royal babies. Um, coming in at number five this week, uh, focus on the family this week, publicly <laughs> clarified some things about, you remember Adventures in Odyssey? Well, they clarified some things about Mr. Whitaker's political ideology. Hey, Liz, so, we're, hold on real quick. Liz, were you an Adventures in Odyssey fan at any point? The 90s, uh, focus on the family cartoon with, uh, you, you didn't, I missed that boat. I missed that boat. You were yeah, you were I was watching Blue Crush. 
Sorry. <laughs> should we, should we, there's no crash course. Yeah. But, it, but Focus on the Family had a, a radio drama for children, for, for the whole family, but, but aimed at, at young kids uh, that took place in this town called Odyssey. And it was kind of about uh, just like the lives and time, kind of like a, the, the lives of people and the Bible lessons they learned, mostly via a, a kindly old grandfatherly figure named Mr. Whitaker, who was kind okay. of a town like moral anchor uh, i suppose uh, and he would dispense little life lessons it sounds so thrilling i'm sure you realize how much your childhood was missing liz well well john whitaker mr whitaker uh ran wit's end uh, it was something of a cross between an old-timey ice cream parlor uh, a christian after school program and a science laboratory um so from there he would dispense like moral advice and bible lessons to the young and the young at heart well, this week, our very own Tyler Huckabee was corrected on Twitter uh, by the official Focus on the Family Twitter account when he speculated that Mr. Whitaker was MAGA. So he said Mr. <laughs> Whitaker is MAGA. Oh, and no. Because like at the time, Focus on the Family was founded by and run by James Dobson, who's now a conservative radio show host and vocal supporter of Trump. Now, yeah. James Dobson's not long, no longer at Focus on the Family. He hasn't been there for years. But at that in that era, he was. Yeah. So anyway, the, the official Focus on the Family Twitter account saw the Mr. Whitaker is MAGA tweet by our very own Tyler Huckabee and responded with a gif of a baby duck adamantly shaking its head, saying, saying the word no. The big word no, right? Well, that's then, good. I mean, to be honest. Yeah. Then they followed up with a tweet that they said, here's the quote, John Avery Whitaker is a complex man, but if there's one thing that's always been self-evident about him, it's his commitment to the upside down ways of the kingdom of heaven that defy the world's ways to the kingdom work of sacrificial service, not political power. Hashtag Jesus Duke. And, uh, so, hey, hey, hold on. We are we, we Jesus Duke. Like they, they took it to Jesus like Dukes. Like when you're saying something and somebody like throws a scripture zinger on you and they Jesus juke you on. Jesus hey, but juke. My interpretation of that is Whitaker's definitely a Bernie bro. Like he's feeling, okay. I think burn, I think, I think Whitaker's feeling the burn. Like no. upside down <laughs> kingdom. That sounds, that sounds like some hippie, <laughs> hippie Bernie bro, hippie, Whitaker. Hippie, well, hippie. Hey, it's worth noting that then they followed up with another Jeff tweet. Uh, of Ron Swanson saying, I've said too much and walking away. So, oh that's my what gosh. I am like, wait, who? This was actually from Focus on the yeah, Family? Focus on the Family. Yes. Yes. But I think this is, I think I their social media guy went rogue. They went up a significant notch in my brain. That is like a funny gif, an yeah. actually very beautifully written statement, yeah. followed up by Ron Swanson dropping the mic. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. I feel impressed. Good for yeah. them. Uh, I, for I, them. I disagree with you, uh, Jesse. I do not think he's a Bernie bro. I think Mr. Whitaker didn't vote for the president. I think Mr. Whitaker went to the polling station because he cared yeah. about the county clerk vote. He cared about the sheriff that was up for election. Yeah. He voted all the locals. And I think he just, he's not divisive. I think he couldn't pick a side. He's not Hillary. He's not Trump. I think he just left it blank. That's no, my gut. My, my actual theory well, is no this. No vote is a vote. Yeah. Just being yeah. practical. I, Mr. Mr. Whitaker, Mr. Whitaker doesn't want to offend any of his, his patrons. Voter, voter die, Mr. Whitaker. No, here's <laughs> my, my thing is this. I'm going to like focus on the families in Colorado Springs. He's out there in the middle of Colorado. He, he strikes me as a fringe libertarian, like some, <clears throat> 
I think Mr. Whitaker has some very concerning political ideology. If we <laughs> like he voted for he wrote in a candidate that no one's ever heard of for good reason. Just, you know, I think <laughs> I think he's he's on the on a far fringe, but that's OK. At least it we know sounds it's not like with his ice cream shop, he was trying to monetize his Christian after school program. So he does have some bent and affection towards capitalism. Yeah, that's that, true. That's, that's true. a good point. That's why I, that was what I would pitch him as more of like away a, the ice cream, a, like a never Trump Republican, like a Ben Sass type. Like, remember the like that whole thing. I feel like he would be one of those like percentage. Like, do you yeah. think he yeah, would be yeah. a conservative? But but Trump's uh, offensive aspects would grieve him. That's so, my. That so would be he's like a conservative. A Mitt Romney. Yeah, he would like be Mitt, all like about Mitt. Mitt Romney. Yeah, I yeah. think that I think, would be my. See, I think he was more of like a Gary Johnson type, you know, like a (laughs) third party that had no shot. But, you know, just for the sake of it, I'm just going to throw him out there for the, you know, for the sake of the third party. Because he's like, my conscience is clean. I go home, though, and I voted for the person that I really wanted to. But here's what I think we're we're missing the real story here. Yeah. And I do love this story, um, which is I think focus on the family. Social media intern went rogue. I think there is a disconnect between the focus exec team, which has hosted members of the Trump administration at their right there in Colorado Springs, Colorado, has brought these people in. And now there's this now there's some kid, some guy from Colorado, fresh out of college, got his journalism degree, took a Twitter job for focus. I, I think he's he just knows that nobody who signs the paychecks <laughs> has a Twitter at focus. Yeah, exactly. and is- <laughs> hey, if you are out there. <laughs> I will hire you. <laughs> the focus oh, yeah. on there, there it is. is. There it is. Yeah, because to me, your first paycheck, paycheck will be ridiculously large. <laughs> yeah, it'll have a crease down the middle of it. Very difficult. It will to be cash. for ten thousand dollars. It won't be redeemable. But don't get caught up in its details. But the, the good thing is the social. I don't think their jobs in danger because I don't think the uh, social media accounts are really on the radar of the executives. They Google what is a Twitter to try to find Twitter. Like that's how they. <laughs> This is not necessarily a safe place. No. For my vulnerabilities. No, it's not. Not at all. Number four on the hot list. Uh, this week, Vogue magazine said they think that Aladdin star Naomi Scott could help inspire young people's faith. She plays Jasmine in the upcoming live action remake of Aladdin and also graces the cover of British Vogue uh, this month. Um, so Naomi Scott frequently speaks about her faith and how it informs her career and all aspects of her life. So much so that British Vogue editor in chief said what she has to say about faith and young love is timely and insightful. I'm also excited to see how she's going to energize a whole generation of British girls and young women who will look at her story, her religion, her style and work ethic and see a different sort of ingenue uh, from the sort that Hollywood used to fall for. Uh, along with being an accomplished actress and recording artist, Naomi Scott is also a former worship leader. In an interview with Hypebeast, she talked about how leading worship in church has helped her as an actress and an artist. She said, God is the ultimate creative force. Growing up in the church fostered an inner spirituality that also introduced me to the concept of music having a deeper meaning. Uh, there's always been a connection between my faith and realizing that music can have a soul and purpose which has ultimately affected the way I approach the art. Listening to soulful vocalists like Mary Mary and Kim Burrell, playing the piano and leading worship has directly shaped my artistry. There you go. 
So go see Aladdin, everybody. If it wasn't for Will Smith as the genie, I think I would. But it's for there. I like. <laughs> here's the oh, thing. Wow. I think Boycott. Will Smith, even to this day, is one of the most likable humans on the planet. Yeah, like, but not for, sure. for that role. Not that <laughs> yeah. role. He, he's why we need a big like a big a big guy. We need a guy who looks like genie. In my opinion, we need I, Robin Williams. To be honest, but yeah, that's true. I, we need Robin. I don't. It's to me like I can get over the appearance. There's just something about his like, like he's too cool, and the genie needs to be goofier. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's precisely yeah, like Danny, Danny Will Smith, cool. Danny DeVito as the genie. I can yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Oh yeah, well I'd be on board with that. Yeah, because like Will Smith, I want Will Smith from Bad Boys. I want the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You know, yeah. I don't want to see a bumbling green dude or blue. You know, I want cool Will Smith. There's something about it that's very unsettling to me. It's very unsettling. Yeah. Liz, Maybe they're remaking like the character there. of the genie. Maybe he'll just be like super witty. I guess. And cool. I don't want I, him to I be cool. I see what you're saying. I, I feel a little bit of that. I want Danny let's DeVito. Let's call Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, let's see if it's too late for them to call an audible here. The movie's not coming out for another few weeks. They can they can splice together a few scenes. with. Well, with, with I mean, the, honestly, the did you hear about the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff? Yeah. I mean, they're, like, they're taking it back to the taking it back to square one. They The trailer came out. Liz, I'm telling you because you haven't Googled this yet. So the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog, they're doing a, they're, they're doing a live action remake of Sonic or make of movie of Sonic the he- Sonic the Hedgehog. Live but, action like real people. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. obviously Sonic Plus is a CG. CGI, not a real hedgehog. And so Sonic is is uh you know like everybody has a picture in their head from the 90s and and there was a Sonic cartoon for years in the 90s yep, yep. and 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 his mouth had a certain look to it. It is a certain cartoon animation to it well the cgi like they gave him like a human mouth and it just doesn't look like sonic and after the trailer released the backlash was so significant that the director said we're gonna go back we're gonna scramble and we're redoing the mouth of sonic for the release in a few weeks so they're going back and redoing all of it well specifically the problem was it has people teeth. Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic has, teeth. has teeth with little spaces. Yeah. It's like they took a real human teeth and put them on the CGI. It's very unsettling. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, I think it might have been a Tumblr or something where this person was photoshopping on human adult teeth into babies. And it is so unsettling. <laughs> it is like just baby pictures, but very accurately photoshopped on adult teeth. And it is horrifying. As a nursing mother, that sounds like my actual worst oh, for nightmare. Sure. For That's sure. like my version of Freddy Krueger right now. <laughs> yeah. So, well, they, Sonic. They both, so Sonic. They, that, that's what Sonic looked like. And I didn't know, I mean, I don't know why you couldn't do this. Just go back and re, like, Re-animate. redo your design. That's just an awfully big job. You're probably asking a bunch of, like, low-paid CGI, like, interns to handle, to do a bunch of late nights yeah. to remake your whole entire movie. You're the star of your new movie, the title character. Mm-hmm. Time for a release that's very soon in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, all that to say, Danny DeVito, call the studio because it's not too late for you to get into Aladdin. Let's let's boot Will Smith. And that's I like it because it would make it would make Genie kind of grumpy. Like I think yeah. we need a. I think I think the world's ready for a grumpy hey, Genie. He's been trapped in that stupid lamp for. Yeah, he's been in a lamp for. I mean, of course, four thousand years or whatever. Yeah, right? he's pretty grumpy, grumpy too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Charlie Day. I mean, I like the DeVito thing, but you could also something about Charlie kind of makes sense. I, I would to me. say any, he, he's yeah. not a wise old genie. I, I need, I need, I need a guy who has some experience. I'll be honest, but a little crusty, a little crusty. A little, yeah. I need a okay. crusty genie. I, though I would, I would, I could see any cast member from Always Sunny as the genie. Like I don't know why, but I could see it, and I, you know, I, I, I'll stand by that. I think they made a huge 
huge mistake here, but nothing we can do. All right, coming in number three this week on the hot list. Uh, this week, Justin Bieber encouraged fans struggling with anxiety and worry to turn to faith. In a lengthy Instagram post, uh, Bieber talked about his own struggles with anxiety and how embracing biblical truths has helped him. He wrote, fight for what you love and who you love. Don't let fear and anxiety win. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. He said, I haven't believed the truth about myself. I haven't believed I am loved. I haven't believed I am forgiven. It's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around. I hang my head in shame and I wallow in sadness about the people who have betrayed me. Jesus has given me freedom and the pursuit of getting to know his character is never ending. God's character never changes. He is the same yesterday, now, and forever. He is always good. I won't be afraid to be vulnerable before him. His power is made strong in our weakness. Then he told fans, God isn't afraid of your pain and your brokenness. He actually welcomes it. Come to me all uh, who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. These are words from Jesus. There is hope and it's in him. He loves and cares for you. For what, for what God so loved, or for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him won't die and have eternal life. He accepts you as you are. He loves and forgives you and welcomes you into his arms every time you mess. He is a perfect and loving God who adores you. Uh, the post has gotten nearly 4 million likes so far. So, Okay, hold up. That was on Twitter? Instagram. Instagram. Got it. I thought maybe Twitter changed the rules on me. Google, what is the <laughs> maybe Instagram? Maybe I would log back in because I could use more words. Google, how to Instagram. The people at Focus on the Family right now are furiously <laughs> typing away into Google to try to figure out how to contact this Justin Beaver fellow. <laughs> we, got a, we got a young preacher. Four million people liking this, this young Mr. Beaver. <laughs> Google, Google Justin Bieber Jesus. Google, Google email Justin Bieber. <laughs> I'm curious what you guys think about. I thought what he wrote was beautiful. I think that there's a lot of truth in it. Um, what do we feel about the danger of over spiritualizing mental illness? Like, is there, if I'm struggling with mental illness and I read that, there was kind of no mention about pursuing help, pursuing professional, you know, like, yeah. Do we feel like that contributes to this notion of like, oh, not only am I kind of ashamed because I'm struggling with mental illness or depression or anxiety, but now it's because I don't love God enough or because I'm not like a good enough Christian? Yeah. Well, I I think I think that's a really great point. And I also think, you know, it's helpful when kind of discussing these issues to like make the distinction between you know, seasons of worry and fear and anxiety mm-hmm. and like diagnose, like having, you know, generalized anxiety disorder. And sometimes the line is very blurry, you know, but I do think totally. it is, it is the, the most responsible thing to do is to kind of destigmatize any kind of mental health struggle and say, yeah, obviously as Christians, we, we think that, you know, turning to God is beneficial no matter what you're suffering from. But if someone has a broken arm, you still go to the doctor to get a fix. And if someone is suffering from emotional or mental distress, yeah, I, Liz, I think you're, I think you're totally right. Like th- they should have the clarity that this isn't either or this is yes these biblical truths are true but there are also avenues to get help from a professional and sometimes that may involve medication sometimes it may involve counseling or, and you know i think that's a, a a really important distinction and a good point liz 
I think it's a, it's a temptation. I think we all have when we're when we got this social media, when we got this like phone or pocket, all of a sudden you come across something like, oh, I want to share this with the followers, which and you know, not all of us have the reach of Justin Bieber yet. But I think that the, it's really easy when you're in the moment when you're recording something just to drop on on Instagram or on Twitter to some to forget that there's a lot of nuance to to almost every topic, especially topics like mental health and emotional health that he was addressing in there. And uh, I I think uh, that's something that sometimes uh, getting like kind of lightly dragged on social media can be good for to remind you that there's a lot of different people out there who have a lot of different takes and, and your take isn't necessarily the only exclusive one. So I uh, that's a really good point, Liz. I hadn't thought about that in connection with this one in particular. Um, I also think, yeah, the opposite side of that is that we do, I think, need to have grace for public figures to be like, I think there's a lot of pressure to take things out of context on social media and be like, you didn't address the full scope of the full issue. And therefore, like, you're wrong. And so I think it's like, I don't think Justin Bieber did anything wrong necessarily, but maybe could it have been better? Would it be awesome to see him in the future speak out about uh, pursuing uh, mental health? healing oh, in he, a less spiritual and kind does. of more medical psychological context no, 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 that could no, be he, an awesome he does. thing he, for him to do. He does. Yeah yeah Great. yeah yeah he's he's posted about that struggling with anxiety and depression and and uh, mental illness issues over the last year especially he's been very open about that on social media. That's awesome. This post was just the more Jesus focused okay. one but he absolutely has posted about getting help. He's gone on, you know, um I mean, he's sought help in a number of ways. I mean, he's been cool. very transparent about his journey. Um, hey, coming in number two this week on the uh, hot list, the breakout Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman. His next film has an interesting connection to Christian history. Uh, he's going to star in a new film about a real-life figure named Yasuke, the first African samurai in Japan. Historians believe that Yasuke was the first black man to set foot in Japan as he was the slave of Jesuit missionaries to the country. The story spotlights the Jesuits' role in the slave trade. With films like The Mission and Martin Scorsese's Silence, Jesuit missionaries have typically been depicted as noble figures, but this film shows their participation in the awful act of owning slaves. In 2017, the Jesuit Society of Jesus issued a public apology to the descendants of slaves um, near Washington, D.C., whose ancestors were sold to fund Georgetown University. They said, we have greatly sinned in our thoughts and in our words and what we have done and what we have failed to do. The Society of Jesus prays with you today because we have greatly sinned and because we are profoundly sorry. In the upcoming Chadwick Boseman film, Yasuke develops an unexpected friendship with a Japanese warlord, which leads to Yasuki becoming a legendary samurai. In a statement to Deadline, uh, Chadwick Boseman said, the legend of Yasuke is one of history's best kept secrets. The only person of non-Asian origin to become a samurai. That's not just an action movie. That's a cultural event, an exchange, and I'm excited to be part of it. Very cool. Every part Mm, of this movie makes me want to see it. Chadwick Boseman, yeah. samurais, like the the historical story. Plus, it seems like Chadwick Boseman. I was looking the other day <clears throat> because I I didn't, I wasn't really aware of. I guess he was in that I, he was in the film Marshall. I think uh, about Thurgood Marshall, but I wasn't really a, aware of him as an actor until Black Panther. Which you know, I think Chadwick Boseman is now like in his forties, which you know, for for an actor seems kind of like. Uh, 
you know, maybe like a later start than, than we're used to. But I, I, I'm glad he's kind of spreading out after, you know, Black Panther and Endgame and all of the Marvel stuff, because he seems like a really, you know, talented uh, performer. He did. And it seems like I, I think there's been uh, there's like some questions in the industry about whether or not these Marvel movies are like good for your career or not, because sometimes some people just get stuck in them and have been stuck in them for coming up on 10 years now. But Chadwick Boseman's got a lot of projects coming down yeah. the pike after this. Black, Black Panther was really good for his career and doesn't seem to be limiting him to just one role. I think people will right now, probably when they see him, they're like, oh, the Black Panther guy. But pretty soon he'll just be Chadwick Boseman, famous actor. By yeah. the way, he's 41. 41. 41 does not look 41 I just I just, uh, I just googled pop oh, culture cool. ages and it, there he was right at the top <laughs> I will say 41 for a man in Hollywood is very acceptable if he were 41 and just getting a start as a woman he would definitely be casted as like the crotchety woman who yeah. just lost her husband or somebody's mom that's way too old you're like dead in Hollywood at that point but 41 for a dude yeah, that's prime time. Yeah, there is. It's hot a, take. It's a yeah, hot take. No, right no, there but she's right. I mean, it it, it 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 like you know really underscores the disparity, disparity. of like women and men's ages and like even like the income disparity. You listen, know, like listen to this. She's calling out gender inequality in Hollywood. She's calling out mental <laughs> health, holistic healing and development. She's calling out big checks. She's calling out monuments, <laughs> and and they don't have. Liz Bohannon could bring Two, in the hot takes. Tr- trin, well, chin I, straps that are chin straps. She's, she's chin straps that are clearly too British short. We can all see this. Just like in the chin strap, they look ridiculous. <laughs> but, but, There's no tactical you guys, advantage to wearing the hat with the chin strap that short. The, <laughs> the world you guys want listeners to take away from this podcast. It's chin straps. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was to your point. To your point, Liz, I was reading that uh, Charlie Theron was giving an interview about how she turned down the role of of Wonder Woman's mom uh, that she was offered. She's, she said it was a slap in the face. She's nine years older than Gal Gadot and was was asked to play her mother's. And, and of, of course, she she ended up turning that down because that that Good does feel like, like she's she's not very old. Yeah. She doesn't look like wonder woman's mother but i think there is this idea in hollywood that once you're 40 it's time for you to be the hero's mom character Amy generally. Schumer Although, has an incredible sketch about this um yeah. where she's like on a run and she's like in a field and all of a sudden she sees this like gathering and it's like oh i don't know who's in it maybe it's like so it's amy schumer maybe tina fey uh julia dreyfus that's her name right from veep yeah, some of yeah. these women who are have kind of like crossed over and they're having this like ceremony for themselves they're just like eating ice cream and letting themselves go because they're like we're, oh, we're over yeah. 40 and like we're just like it's done I remember we're this. out to sea we're just gonna like send each other out it's really brilliant <laughs> and i recommend people watching it it's better than my rendition but. all right coming in at number one this week on the hot list a youth pastor uh spoiling the end of end game it's a it's a big movie liz if you want to google end game we're about to spoil it for you. <laughs> it's gone viral uh, because of us, uh, actually. Uh, the video shocked the internet and may offer some clue as to why the next generation is leaving the church in record numbers because youth pastors do stunts like this. Uh, and even though someone put the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm music behind the video, it's still shocking. Warning, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Endgame, here's a clip. 
dreams or your struggles and you're pouring your heart out or it doesn't have to be that deep. Like maybe you're talking about the latest Avengers movie or something and how Iron Man's dead or something like that. It's been a week! It's been a week! The crowd screams. I, I heard people in the crowd renouncing their faith right there, just shouting out. Just shouting. Hail, Hail Satan! Now. Hail yeah. Satan! How long had the movie been out? It's a movie, right? It's been Not out a, a month, a week and a half at this point. But at when point he it, did that, it had been it had been out about like it, it had been out like f- five days when he yeah. did that. Yeah. It was like the midweek uh, service. Yeah. Yeah, this and, is one uh, of the great okay. church scandals of our time right here. You know, it's just it's un- caught on tape. Unbelievable. I can't you know, we wonder we wonder why this generate why, why faith is in decline. And, I, you know, it's I will say like I will say a little behind the scenes. We posted that because we thought it was funny and <laughs> it, it had not gone viral. We posted it with our little like this. The youth pastors like this is why the generation I, is leaving I think, the church. I think we tagged and, David Kinnaman in the tweet. Too. And, and we did, yeah, Barna. <laughs> and and the church got mad and reached out. Like we're like they were very upset. The church, the church of the pat, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Church. The guys church, like because we were making know, fun we of it. No, we we didn't. We did not. We did not name the pastor we because we, we believe in grace. You know, we're, yeah, we did. But the <laughs> fact that like. <laughs> We, we second chances. It. They they were very very upset and we're like and now it's gone viral so it's oh well <laughs> we, we, that was the like the the second in, you know Christian large Christian Christian institution that we upset that day because we had we had written something on the slide uh, on the website about how uh, you uh, tell us the website is relevant Shut magazine you spell R E L E V A N T we had written something on the site just kind of I just thought it was interesting that people would be interested in it uh, how Pat Robertson the you know the 700 club close he went on and and he said spiritual icon yeah <laughs> he said him and, him and him and James Dobson were you know googling how to contact uh, Beaver and, and it, like anyway you know he had said that um he called young earth creationism like embarrassing and ridiculous that the world's only, you know, a few thousand years old. So we wrote about it and in it and in the little write up, we had a line that said, you know, this is, uh, you know, controversial because there are some, you know, figures in Christianity that, uh, you know, this is their whole platform. And I said, uh, you know, at the Creation Museum in in Kentucky, which is a, a, a quote unquote museum, that purports to the the belief that the earth is, you know, if you follow back biblical genealogies and read the Old Testament, literally, the earth is only like 6,000 years old. They actually, in Cameron, we went there one time in the, yeah. in the, in the creation museum, there is a dinosaur with a saddle on it. And you can sit on the saddle and act like you're riding the dinosaur because according to their timeline, the that, that, that would match up. So we added that as just like a little throwaway funny line in there. Their, their, their people sent me a, they, they were like, we need you to issue a correction and an apology. They were like, that dinosaur, you said it was part of an exhibit. They were like, that was for photo ops only. It was not an exhibit. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. A, a, a display at a museum yeah, that you take pictures of isn't a museum. How could we possibly have gotten that wrong? What kind of journalists are we to get that wrong? So we, we issue, I, I write the correction just as they ask and I put it in there. And then Kent Ham, who's the guy who's over the Creation Museum, 
He gets mad at us on Twitter because the image accompanying the story is a guy in like an inflatable Halloween costume that looks like he's riding a dinosaur. It was a hilarious, objectively hilarious picture. They have no sense of humor. None of them. Like it's, it's, two people were upsetting the, the same day. This church with this youth pastor who, frankly, deserves to be called out and the Creation Museum. You know, everyone these days has no sense of humor. You we know? know that we know we learned that the church was upset because. We have a lot of mutual friends, apparently. We didn't know this. We have a lot of mutual friends with the, that church, and they were reaching out to the mutual friends going, which one of you sent this to Relevant? <laughs> and uh, they were they were very upset. So I do not reveal my sources. You know, yeah. I'm a journalist. <laughs> That's right. This is serious journalist. journalism. Uh, <laughs> not really funny. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for... It's the hottest, the hottest. It's just it's a hot one this week with the Liz Bohan and hot takes. All right, stay tuned. Up next, King's Kaleidoscope joins us. Liz, it's spelled K A L. Already on it. Already on it. Already found it. Got it pulled up right here, guys. You took a fall, now you're frustrated. You got it all, but you can't take it. You hit a wall, so jaded. Who is the god that you've been chasing? Lost the rush again, racing for a Hey, if you like the Relevant Podcast, I think you'll like Relevant Magazine. If you don't get our flagship publication, you absolutely should. And there's never been a better time than right now. Uh, When the new issue uh, featuring Hillsong United on the cover released a couple of weeks ago, our most stacked issue yet, we celebrated it, issue 99, by doing a short flash sale that weekend. It has gone so well, we bumped it another week, and we're bumping it again. If you want to get a year subscription to Relevant Magazine, we've never had a lower price. You can sign up and get the year for only $10 if you go to relevantmagazine.com slash flash sale. Go do it right now because I don't know when they're going to pull the plug. Well, you're listening to our next guest, King's Kaleidoscope. The song is Naked Feet and Holy Fire. Well, Chad Gardner is the leader of the band King's Kaleidoscope, a genre-bending group whose latest project, Zeal, is a concept album that tells a very personal story. The album tracks an evolution of a faith journey from deconstructionism, doubt, and cynicism to childlike wonder and devotion to God. Jesse uh, recently spoke with Chad about the album and the concept behind it and how Chad's own journey inspired it all. Yeah. So I, I was really intrigued by, because I feel like you hear, you know, right now a lot of stories of like the opposite journey. Like people start off with a real zeal for their faith and kind of like this childlike understanding and they move to a place of kind of deconstructing it and doubt and questions. And so I was talking to Chad about why he wanted to like reverse that story and find, you know, people who were 
you know, start at a place where people are deconstructing their faith and doubting it and then moving back to a place where they're, where they really have that enthusiasm for God. And he kind of opened up about how, you know, for years, you know, he had worked at Mars Hill Church in Seattle, uh, you know, that Mark Driscoll had founded, which ended up dissolving under, you know, several scandals involving Mark Driscoll. So he, for years, found himself in that place of like questioning where he went wrong. What is the church even supposed to look like? How to undo the damage? And he here, here's what he said about that experience. The reason for me and for a lot of the people in Kings is a lot of people have heard of Marshall Church. We were part of that. I started going there when I was 15 years old and I worked there for five years and I ended up leaving just obviously because all that stuff was hitting the fan and it was a disaster. Um, and I think a lot of people have um, experiences like that where they are part of a big church organization that really hurts them or a pastor or abuse. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of crap and I'm not downplaying any of it. You know, but having worked for something like that and been in, been in that, that's where King's Kaleidoscope kind of started. I mean, I put the first album out after I left that, but it, it got its start there, kind of. Um, I also, I can relate to, like, there's a lot of crap there, but I, I also just can't, I can't leave what was real. You know, I don't want to just abandon what was real about that. There was a true, there was a lot of true experiences with, with God as a part of that. And I, I think that's just, just hard. It's hard for people not to throw it all away. And that happens to a lot of people. I, I think that's such an interesting tension and I've never, what makes this album, what, I mean, it's the music is incredible, but the concept too is kind of what I, I have really enjoyed about listening to it because I do feel like a lot of people find themselves in that tension of like, no, I remember when I was like, you know, quote unquote, like on fire for God. And I remember what it was like to not have an awareness of the bad stuff an awareness of kind of the corruption or the questions. And that didn't cloud how I feel. And now a lot of people, I feel like find themselves in this kind of tension where they want that, you know, the album's called zeal. They want that zeal, but at the same time, they also want to be aware of the doubts and the questions and the bad stuff. And it, it's an awkward place to be sometimes. So Richard Rohr has this concept where he talks about construction, deconstruction, and then reconstruction. Yeah. And it really helped me kind of frame like how I think about even the construction phase, basically that every phase is like incredibly necessary to evolving as a spiritual being. And it's actually kind of challenged my thoughts a little bit on fundamentalism, something that I feel like it's so easy for me to just say, like, that's so bad. That's so ignorant. That's so backwards. And when I was listening to Richard Rohr kind of like teach on, you can't deconstruct something that you haven't constructed in the first place. What happens and where it goes wrong is when you get stuck in construction, when you're like so unwilling to let yourself have doubts, to ask questions, to learn from people who might have different, you know, perspectives, you're stuck in construction and then it can turn kind of toxic. Similarly, you can get stuck in deconstruction where it's yeah. like you're critical and cynical of everything. You throw the baby out with the bathwater. You're, it's like a very, uh, you know, deconstructive mentality and people can get stuck in that. And the beauty of reconstruction, where you're doing exactly what Chad was saying, of being able to kind of reconstruct, here were these truths 
that got messed up or, you know, mixed in, whether it was with power or or moralism or whatever along the way. But here was like the spirit of truth in that. And I do want to reclaim that. Um, But here are all the parts that I'm rejecting and saying, like, I don't believe in, you know, in that and kind of reconstructing. And it sounds like that's the process that he's in and pursuing. And I don't know, that's, that's, that was a a very cool um, way that he talked about that. And to see his art come out of that reconstruction phase is, is really cool. So I I asked him to unpack the, the concept a little and, and for him to articulate it and, you know, why there are these kind of interesting moments in the album that really underscore simplicity. And here's what he said. We actually begin to think of zeal as a character And I started writing from the perspective of here's a person who's rediscovering, you know, his or her identity as zeal. Like this is who their identity is. They were made to be this way and they've kind of lost who they are. Um, And so the album actually takes an arc where, you know, the beginning of this song um, I'm writing from a, a, as this character is just desperately feeling lost and tired and um, just very unsatisfied to the ending arc is, you know, uh, it's back to like the simplest little like Sunday school song you can sing, which is Jesus loves me. Um, and I, I have a sample. My mom sang when she was seven or eight years old in her church. And they, they actually cut a vinyl of her singing with this little kid's choir. Jesus loves me um, live. And I have that vinyl. And so we sampled it and, you know, that's like one of the last songs in the record is, is her singing that, uh, alongside a, a freaking orchestra that we recorded from Budapest. <laughs> it's pretty wild, but you know what I'm saying? Like I start out with this character that's just confused and the songs are heavier. And then at the end, it gets back to just like the simplest, do you believe that Jesus loves you? And why do you believe it? Ah, Cause the Bible says, and that is so, I think even that, line in that song is so hard right now because that's where most of the debate is is like canon and theology and all that stuff and it's like we can we can run in circles with that all day long but there is a there is a great freedom in choosing to just believe the simplest the simplest thing there I'll be honest after hearing that song I've never I've never thought about the song Jesus loves me <laughs> before in, in that context of like wow that's just a really simple profound truth that's easy to be lost we in our family I just I think one of my favorite parts of becoming a parent is that uh, is like has been the exercise of if I had to boil this all down into something like a two-year-old could understand like what are those core truths has actually been a really healthy and like inspiring exercise. I just wrote this week, our like family benediction that we're like teaching our Mm. two year old. So it's literally like he can understand it. Um, And it's been such a profound process of me going like, okay, 
underneath it all, like what is the most true kernel of truth that I want to like teach to my children? And the reality is it's, it's pretty simple, simple. And do you, profound, me- do you remember the benediction? Do you? The one that, yeah. So it's based off it? of, um, I took some pieces from, there's an organization called intentional parents. I think Jefferson, Jefferson Bethke, I think is his name. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but I rewrote ours to make it a little bit more applicable to our family, but it says, I'm not what I have, what I do or what people say. I'm a child of God. No one can take that away. There's nothing I can do to make God love me any less or any more. I don't have to hurry or worry. Jesus settled the score. I can rest in the love of my divine father, mother, and let my courage and kindness be a gift to others. Wow. Well, that's, that's great. the Boho family oh, that's benediction. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's been really fun. Really He's beautiful. like memorizing it and all of a sudden like randomly he'll be like, I'm a child of God. No one can take that away. <laughs> and it's incredible. It's like if I could just channel that, it's like an amazing mm-hmm. journey of being a parent where it's like I cultivate that thought. I teach it to you. And then you remind it, you remind me of the truth that actually like I need to know and understand as deeply as you do. I'm not necessarily just teaching you. It's like this reciprocal truth that starts to circulate. That, that, that's so interesting that, that you say that because it really kind of underscores the idea of what it means to have like childlike faith. You know, it's not it's not like uh, necessarily like an intellect thing. It's like the ability to believe simple, profound truths and really like hold on to them and not let them kind of be come like clouded by things that, uh, you know, sometimes adults have a tendency to cloud, you know, simple ideas with. And that's I ask I ask Chad to kind of dig into that a little bit about that idea of simplicity. Um, and, And here's what he had to say. One of the things we would talk about a lot during this album was. Okay, childlike faith, childlike faith. What are the experiences we felt like we had growing up that we would maybe look at now and kind of rip apart and go, well, maybe that's just nostalgia, or maybe that was just because, you know, we're just looking back on it with like rose colored glasses. And we'd kind of, we'd kind of like give pause to ourselves and go, like, is that really how we want to like think of our lives here? Or, we could also just say, maybe it's not nostalgia. Maybe that's just the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's real. Maybe like God's actually tugging at our hearts and saying, don't you miss this? Don't you miss like trusting, you know, versus having to like conquer everything with your mind, including me, which you'll never be able to do. Yeah. I, I, I just love that idea because it seems so like kind of counter to the moment we're in, in a positive way of like you were saying, Liz, like it gets easy. I think for some people sometimes to throw the baby out with the bathwater and let kind of doubts and questions uh, overshadow like the very basics of man, you God loves us. We are ch- children of God. I, I really like the idea of like unpacking what that childlike wonder is. So anyway, it's a, it's a really cool concept for an album, killer songs, but also it's got kind of a, a deep story behind it. So uh, definitely check it out. It's called Zeal. It's out now. Yep. That was King's Kaleidoscope. Hey, stay tuned up next. Your feedback. If you've ever struggled with depression, you know how dark the experience can be. Melissa Maimoni's book, The Radiant Midnight, is an exploration of the times when perspective dims, silence descends, and clarity fades. It doesn't simplify relief, and it doesn't diminish suffering. 
Maimoni knows despair can set in when you don't receive the things you believe you need most. Her book offers candid storytelling, biblical truth, and honest lament amid a journey through surrender, suffering, rest, and restoration. The Radiant Midnight is fueled by the belief that not only will God lead you out of darkness, he will be present within it. With Jesus, you are never without hope. Find contentment in painful circumstances and discover a profound intimacy with a God who offers radiance even in the darkness of a midnight. The Radiant Midnight by Melissa Maimoni, available wherever books are sold. You're listening to Weevil. The song is The Weight. Well, it's time for your feedback. Uh, Last week for the question of the week, we asked you, okay, we were talking about that uh, our very own Tyler Huckabee and his family, his mom and dad flew in from Nebraska to go to the Michael W. Smith tribute concert at at the arena there in Nashville. Like 12,000 people show up and it's a three and a half hour long spectacular with like 50 artists giving tribute to who else but Smitty. Um, we I'm asked sure you, you saw that in your pop culture Google list. Yeah. I'm sure that came, I'm sure that was towards the top. Of Things those. happening in pop culture. Michael W. Smith tribute. Yep. Michael W. Smith tribute. Royal baby. That's those are the, <laughs> those the, are the two top two results. Uh, one of my best friends slash commune neighbors here on my little compound was on the road with Michael W. Smith for many years as his guitar tech. So I actually do stay strangely up to date with Michael W. Smith pop culture. Just letting you know your beat. This is this wow. is right up your alley. She doesn't Google she for doesn't Michael W. Smith Google. updates. She has to AOL for those. She has to like line, <laughs> log into the dial up. That's where all the Michael W. Smith updates live. Th- thankfully, I have hoarded thousands of free hours that came in the mail in the late nineties. <laughs> so I'm totally fine on my AOL. <laughs> She asked her, her her commune friend for another AOL CD so she can get the latest <laughs> update from the Michael W. Smith. That's how we do. Yep. Uh, so last week, the question of the week was, if you could organize your own Michael W. Smith style tribute concert, who would the tribute be for and who would perform? Um, we One of the ideas that we lobbed was a Weird Al Yankovic tribute, but every performance had to be the actual artist that he spoofed singing the 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 weird owl version of that artist song so That's like rich. coolio having to do amish paradise you know as the tribute to weird owl Yankovic. i would pay money for that yeah I, same we would take all my go. money we take my all money <laughs> all right so you guys wrote in uh you tweeted us at relevant podcast or you googled how to tweet relevant and then uh <laughs> it came up and you also posted on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. uh here's a few of our favorites I like Grant's uh, because his is not a tribute to one person. It is just a tribute to bad Christian songs of yesteryear. Oh, wow. So, who, so who's sitting in the chair? Who's getting honored? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you just have like the, a manager of an old Christian bookstore sit up there because they were the one peddling these back in the day. Um, or the, or the uh, editor of CCM Magazine is sitting <laughs> in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> because it would be today's stars covering uh, uh, the, the bad songs of yesteryear. So he says, imagine Chris Tomlin singing I Don't Want It by DC Doc. I would actually pay to see that. Imagine Laura Daigle covering Satan by the Dust by Carmen. Could, Nothing yeah. could go wrong. Especially because most of those songs involve at least one verse that was rapped. So I would, I would, uh, yeah, I enjoyed seeing that. Yeah. 
I'm really on board with Josh's idea, who suggested three hours of, which was the actual length of the, of the tribute, three hours of mandatory Metallica performed by the exact same people from the Michael W. Smith tribute, which I think <laughs> would be a very entertaining. They would have to learn the songs. I would guess most of them are not familiar with Metallica, but once they got them down, I would really like to hear Amy Grant on like Inter Sandman or something. Uh, Emily said a Taylor Swift tribute concert where all the people she wrote a song about perform that song. So Kim and Kanye sing, look what you made me do. <laughs> Katy Perry sings bad blood. John Mayer sings dear John, whoever drew is sings teardrops on my guitar and so on. That's pretty good. Yeah. Super awkward, but it would be good. Hard, hard to, hard to know who would come up, come out on top there. Is that Taylor's power move getting other people to sing those songs for her? Or is that the art artists like saying, I don't even care that you drag me in a song. I, I'll I, sing it from stage. I also want to see Tom Hiddlestein have to perform uh, like a song because I'm sure there's something about him. Weren't they an item for a while? I don't know. Uh, Liz, can you Google that? <laughs> Ariana guys. Turn to our pop culture correspondent, Liz Bohannon. Uh, uh, PC Walker said, I, I think the easy, uh, the answer is easy. Uh, we'd have to see a three hour Carmen tribute show because all these artists just can't sing. They have to also act out all those dramatic songs in full costume. Love so it. the human video aspect Love would it. be different. I like that. Great yeah, idea. everyone comes out in those black t shirts and, you know, they're like invisible demons or whatever. And the one guy in, as Jesus comes out in the, yeah, I, I can totally see it. white yeah. t shirt. Yeah. I was a little surprised that Carmen didn't make the Michael W. Smith tribute thing, but I've also always kind of thought Carmen was a little bit, bit left to center from the. Like he was in that world, but not really of it. Not yeah, sure I think, that I, think his... the, the, I think the Smitties and Amy Grants, you know, they knew of the Carmens, but Carmen was in a different lane. He was like in a ministry lane. He was Carmen's doing like free thing. concerts. He was on TBN. <laughs> that wasn't their lane. You know L- what I mean? L- Liz, I have a question for you. Back in the day when you were watching Blue Crush wearing your Roxy tees, were you into were you into the Christian music scene at all? Um, no. No, I knew of like, um, I'm trying to think. Of, okay, Jars of Clay, sure. which mm-hmm. I will yeah. say, what's that one song? Uh, it's like very dramatic about like 40 days and the yeah. rain and Blood. like Blood. I have yeah. very Blood. fond memories of that. Yeah. I was kind of like a, a Creed. I was a big Creed fan because, you know, they were <laughs> oh, the like, we're are they Christians? I think they're Christians, but they're not now like overt. Yeah. That was like. That's kind of my jam. I did, however, rewrite the words <laughs> to Ace of Bass. I saw the sign to I heard the word. I heard the word and it opened up my eyes. I heard the word. So, I mean, <laughs> why awesome. listen wow. to Christian kind of TV? Your generation's weird out. You can just yeah. rewrite the mainstream stuff, okay? Oh, my word. That was Thanks. my favorite moment in a long time on this podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Liz, I heard the guys, word. Is this my debut? Is this the moment where my career kind of takes a yeah. hard left pivot this is your chadwick boseman right. black panther moment this is christian, this, yeah christian satires of, of beloved 80s pop songs ladies and 90s get pop discovered songs discovered on relevant podcasts but i'm thinking it's interesting she's she she likes the rebellious children of christians so she likes creed because mm-hmm. mom and dad creed were strong christians churchgoers rebellious son becomes famous were you also into Coldplay? because that's the story there were yes, you into uh very. mumford and sons maybe a little 
There, oh, you're so, you're reading me like a book. All right, that's it. There's some spiritual overtones. She some wears struggling. She a coat of colors, loved by some, feared by others. Right? Remember that? I'm sorry. No, not really. But I'm not enjoying your rendition of it. I don't. I keep going. I think I'll get it. I almost no, had it there. Come on, you definitely laid in your room in the dark and felt that as deeply as I did. Tell me that. I is that a creed? Is that a want creed? Want to be there with you? Yeah. Yes, Liz, how many creed concerts have you been to? Come on. How, how, how many Creed? Uh, yeah, how uh, many Creed uh, concerts? Don't tell us yet, Ty, Tyler. Over under five Creed concerts for Liz. I think I think right about there. Liz, how, like, I, how I, many I, times have you seen? I think I think she's a I think she's a radio fan only. I don't think she's going to the shows. How many Creed concerts? One, Liz? one show. One show. Okay. Uh, Two. Uh, you know who was Creed's counterpart that was even like a little bit edgier? Do you guys remember Trapped? Oh, I remember Trapped. Oh yeah! Not only did not only multiple trapped concerts, but I got behind stage. Oh wow! Oh, I'm just did saying. You, did you have to, to sneak? Like, did you pretend to be a roadie, or or how'd you get? Yeah, yeah, how'd yeah. You get behind yeah. stage. Yeah, but it, I feel like trapped was like the Creed equivalent, but even like a little bit more edgy. This was my music taste in high school. Wow. Wow. That wow. and like Spice Girls. So I had a lot of diversity. D- is there any uh, existing recording of your Ace of Base, uh, uh, you know, Christian parody? <laughs> Did, if and there also, was, you are not the group of people that I would release that to. Was there a choreography? Bedroom choreography. You know oh my I mean? gosh. Like, Cameron, do, we don't know each other that well, but that is like... You don't need to ask that question. Of course, there is. I don't do anything without choreography. Yeah, is the answer to that? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm she actually. Up, I remember she Joy's at the camcorder. Yeah, Joy- she set the camcorder in the bedroom oh, right gosh. by the mirror, and she and her buddy, her her 12 year old friend, like had a whole routine to her Christian Asa bass song. Uh, we have actually there witnessed. may have been a ribbon involved, like a ribbon dancer. It's fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you had like the Holy Spirit yeah. flags waving, you know. And were you ever tempted to like ask your pastors, like, hey, listen, during offering, can we do like one of those uh, special little uh, dance numbers for no, the congregation? It wasn't, it wasn't the for the main. Jesse, this is not a main church situation. This is a youth group situation. She oh, okay. absolutely did it for youth group or youth camp. Absolutely. <laughs> no, you guys, this was, you know how the Bible says, you know, pray in secret in your prayer closet. This was my secret. This was just me. It was just me and the Lord and my video camera doing my ribbon dancing tribute, ace of bass. I heard the is word. The yeah. Purest form of worship. Just the purest, purest form of worship. Form of worship. Yeah. Yeah. We're just talking about for, childlike faith for and the wonder. applause of man. Yeah. It was for my audience of one, you guys. Oh, I'm so happy about this. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm already regretting it. Why do I regret it every time I'm on this podcast? I have this moment where I'm like, this feels like a good idea. And then... When you when you get to heaven and he's like, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're like, didn't you love it when I was a kid and I did the Ace of Base thing? And he's like, yeah, that was that was great. That That's was okay. really, yeah. really something he did for me. That was, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that was something. I totally, really, I totally that was love you. He pats you on the head. On. Good for you. That was sweet. Um, okay, normally right now we pause. And listeners don't know this. This is behind the scenes intel. Normally we pause right now and we talk for a minute or two to come up with the question of the week. But we're not doing that. We're blowing right through it. It's time for editorial question of the week. The question, I'm not even asking for their input. The editorial question of the week this week is, have you ever written a Christian version of a mainstream song for an audience of one? If so, what is it? 
And what were the lyrics? That's what we want to know. And yeah. if you say up. no, we know you're lying. You we know, know you're, you're lying. lying. How do people yeah. tell us this? Is it on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if so, you Google, I'll figure you Google. out my password, which I've been trying to do for about two years. Yeah, to, to reply to <laughs> the question of the week, you Google pop culture question response, and then it'll just tell you everything you need to know. No, you go on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. We have to know this. And Liz, to, to recover your Twitter password, you just need to publicly post your social security number in every public yeah, forum okay. you can find, and they'll they'll get you the password. Just <laughs> I'm on it. Thanks, team. Group effort. And if you and if you harbor any, as Liz does, political aspirations, then this is going to be sort of a trial by fire thing because you're doing your own oppo research here. You're yeah. you're dumping your own. You're dumping you're your own dirt out there right away. Out there. Yeah. That, that's that's smart. Better to do it now than to have somebody else drag it out yeah. there. Just get it out yep. of there in the open. And who? Knows. It might even help you. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, we have we actually it's been a while, but we have a correction and apology. Oh, oh, yeah. been a while. <laughs> yeah, Several. Been a we time. got like five tweets about this. So I so figured we... last week off the cuff, I referenced some children were talking about. They were aghast with the news, the the trivial item that uh, the capital of Vermont doesn't have any fast food in yeah. it, no McDonald's, and and I was like, yeah, yeah, kids. I heard that, you know, all those, all those, you know, Bernie bros up there, they don't like their fast food stuff and they banned it from Vermont. Vermont has no fast food. Okay. So all y'all actually who live there hit us up and said, that is not true. We have McDonald's, we have fast food, but it is true that the state capital of Vermont does not. Uh, So uh, I'm sorry for disparaging the great state of Vermont (laughs) with the assumption. You You don't look sorry. I'm not. You don't sound <laughs> right. so. I'm just correcting it for them. All right. Uh, hey, thanks to Squarespace for making the episode possible. Remember, you can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Also, thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for joining us. Remember, their new album, Zeal, is out now. And if you Google Liz Bohannon, you might find her Ace of Bass <laughs> karaoke I cover. Heard the word. <laughs> hey, Liz, thank, Liz, it's so fun to have you join us. Thanks for yeah. sitting in with us. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yes, you can find me. I would love to chat with you. I will. I'm making a public commitment to figure out my Twitter password. That's a thing that's been on my to-do list for about nine months. So you, but really, if you want to chat, follow me on Instagram at at Liz Bohannon and uh, check out my brand Seiko Designs. That's S-S-E-K-O designs.com and on all the socials. And we, and, and, and follow her for an update about when this, uh, I saw the sign parody will be released and a generation will hear it and come to the Lord. Revivals breaking out. That's true. Revival is on its way. Yeah. More revivals will break out than uh, the small town that puts a witty church sign up and people just drive by and like, they're right. They're right. You know, I do need to, God does answer an email. I need to, I need to start praying more, you know? Also, make sure to check out our other podcasts. We have uh, Relevant Daily every weekday. It's about 10 minutes, bringing you the latest happening at the intersection of faith and culture. If you don't want to just have to Google what's happening, Google, you can listen to Relevant Daily every day. It's about 10 minutes. It'll keep you in the know. Also, my long-form conversation podcast, Unedited, is coming out on Monday. We will be posting a conversation with Hillsong United's Joel Houston that is unbelievable. You won't want to miss it. So check out Unedited and Relevant Daily. Okay. On that note, we will wrap things up. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun. 
Thanks for having me, guys. All right. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Liz Bohannon. And we will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. We're going to be all right. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. No matter how bad all this gets, I can't stop this voice in my head. This voice in my head says we're going to be all right. There's no tactical advantage to wearing the hat with a shin strap that short. Relevant Podcast Network.